We're going to be beginning a new sermon series this week, and it's called Devoted. And it's one that I truly hope that you're with us and you're part of every Sunday. It's actually going to be one of the most important sermon series that we have had since Paris Valley Community Church has been formed. It is a very important series. Our last sermon series, we were in the book of Ephesians, and we were studying a church that had already been established in Ephesians. And now we're coming to a point in the early days of the church to look at the first church in Jerusalem. And, and we're looking and seeing that there are people like you and me. We're seeing that they're people from different walks of life, that they're, they're people from different towns, they're from different, they have different skill sets. There's people from areas where they have different accents, they actually have different languages. But there's one thing that all of the people have in common, and without this trait, the church as we know it would absolutely not exist. It's a trait that is so important that everything grows with it and everything dies without it. The members of the early church, the very first church to come together and follow Jesus had deep devotion. For the next few weeks, we're going to look at the deep devotion of that church and, and model these traits as our church, as, as Paris Valley Community Church continues to grow, we're going to see that the, that the leaders worked to instill a deep sense of devotion in all areas within the members of the church and within the church and the ministries of the church. Acts 2, verse 42, it reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Let's open our Bibles this morning. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And we're going to be reading verses 22 through 39 in a message that I've titled, Keeping the Main Thing the Main Thing. Now the book of Acts is the fifth book in the New Testament and it's really the first book to chronicle the times after the crucifixion, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Lord had spent 40 days after Easter Sunday and he had shown himself and presented himself in infallible proofs to people showing that he was indeed alive. On the 40th day, he ascended into heaven after telling his apostles not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them that after a time, that they are to become witnesses, that they are to go to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. I want to set this scene a little bit this morning. It's a... Time in Jerusalem. We're in the city of Jerusalem, 33, about 33 AD. And it's a time of celebration because there's a festival going on. We're exactly 50 days after Passover. And this is another time of merriment. It's a time of celebration for the Jews. And all over the Roman world, people would come into Jerusalem. This is a Sunday and they were taking part in a festival in what's called the Feast of Weeks. It's an agricultural festival. See, the harvest season had started, 
And with the harvesting of barley, they celebrated Passover. They celebrated that 50 days ago. And now it ends with harvesting of wheat, and we call that the Feast of Weeks. When the name was rendered in the Greek language, we get the word Pentecosta. When it's then rendered into English, we get our term Pentecost. So around the dirt roads of Jerusalem in the spring of the year, you've got sandaled feet of, of foreigners that are walking into town and, and trotting through the city. And many people, although they're Jews from other areas, they shared faith with the Jews. And in many instances, they did speak different languages. And there's so many people in town who have come from different areas, they had absolutely no clue. When they came to town, they didn't know they weren't going to leave. They'd assume they're going to come for a festival and they're going to go home at some point. They had no clue that they were going to witness and be part of the beginning of the Christian church that's about to form right before their very eyes. There were people who would come who undoubtedly would, would, would not be saddling up their livestock and their donkeys and heading homes. And the ones who did go home probably had no clue that they were going to be some of the first missionaries for Jesus going out and telling other people at that point. They didn't know they were going to be some of the first missionaries and evangelists. And it was this day that would lead to an event that would change the Christian world forever. See, at this point, the disciples, they've been through a whirlwind the last 50 days. They had walked with Jesus for three years. And less than two months ago, they watched Roman guards come and just take him from the garden and toss him in a sham of a trial. And then Peter, one of the Lord's most loyal servants, he sits around a fire one night and he lies to a servant girl saying, No, I don't know that guy. I don't know that man. And then they take him and nail him to a tree. And the sadness is, it's got to be crushing. What goes through the mind of the disciples, their lives would have gone dark. Until Sunday morning when they, when they saw him again. They had, they had seen his lifeless corpse and they had seen it anointed with spices and aloes just a few days before. And, and now he's walking with them again. And over the next 40 days, Jesus is walking and he's presenting himself to more than 500 people. But then just 10 days ago, he left again. This time, he ascended into heaven, but he had a chance to talk with his disciples and give them some instructions. And it's, it's here that starts the book of Acts with these simple instructions from Jesus to his apostles. He told his apostles, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. Now there's this peaceful, joyful celebration going on in Jerusalem. People have brought the first fruits of their grain offerings to town and and, and it's a Sunday morning, and maybe the kids are, are here to help Dad take the offering to the temple. And, and maybe they want to participate. And, and there's just a, a joyous Jewish celebration going on. And then something happens. Something unexpected happens. Something that only God can do happens. 
that no one on earth was expecting to happen this day. While the disciples were praying in an upper room, many men and their families probably went about the celebration outside on the streets. And I'm sure that they could hear the excitement of the children who maybe have come to the feast for the very first time outside. And maybe somebody goes over to the window to kind of close it so that the men can, can pray. And then all of a sudden, a loud wind and a whoosh. Acts 2, 2, it says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and it sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Is this what Jesus told them to wait for? Is this the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, it is. They're, they're talking in other languages that they didn't grow up learning. So in this room, you have John who starts talking, and maybe Peter has no clue what he's saying. It's a different language. They're talking in something that is so new to them, it's a different occurrence. And now, with this newfound speaking ability, they're going outside and they notice a huge crowd. There's two types of people in this crowd. First, as we've already mentioned, there's foreigners. There's people who have come from out of town to the celebration. And there's also locals who are here in this crowd. People from Jerusalem who still are not terribly thrilled about the fact that these followers of Jesus who was crucified like two months ago are still hanging around and talking about him. They really tried to squash this whole Christ thing and thought it had gone away. The locals are not terribly pleased that they've got to deal with these guys anymore. So what the locals do when the foreigners start asking questions is they throw, they throw the disciples under the bus. They say, oh yeah, they're the town drunks. Watch this, Acts 2, verse number 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this, when, when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, and they said to each other, Look, are these not those who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in where we are born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, joining Caesarean and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism and Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful words of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what could this mean? Verse number 13, Others mocked and said, eh, they're full of new wine. They're like, oh, they're, yeah, they're just drunk. But Peter stood up with the 11 and he raised his voice and he said to them, men of Judea and all those who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words for these are not drunk as you suppose since it's only the third hour of the day. Third hour of the day, back in this time, the first hour started at 6 a.m. The third hour of the day would be 
9 a.m., which is still a little bit early for many people, even in our culture, to be drunk out talking just gibberish on the side of the road, but it does happen. But he's saying, hey, they're not, they're not drunk, it's 9 a.m. Here's Peter. Peter who stands up and begins preaching. Peter takes an immediate leadership role in the church. You have to remember that yesterday, Peter had absolutely no clue that he was going to stand and deliver a message to local Jews and foreigners. He had no clue. And although Peter could have continued to defend the actions of the disciples and the apostles as they spoke in different languages, he didn't use this time to promote himself or the disciples. He used this very important time to do one thing, to tell people about Jesus. Peter had devotion. Peter's probably not the man that we would have thought, if you're going to choose one of the 12, he's going to be the guy who's going to step up and lead. Peter's somewhat of a misfit. He was the one who would speak first and think later. Peter's the guy who is willing to take chances. He's going to walk on the water with Jesus, not even thinking about sinking. Like, I want to do it, I'm going to go. Of all the apostles, we think, you know, Matthew had a background in finance. He was a tax collector, knew how to take some off the top, knew how to, well, I thought, you know what, maybe that's a good role for leadership. Possibly. James was, was a man of faith and of courage and forgiveness. He could have been a really good leader. But it's Peter who stepped up to the pulpit to speak. And for the first thing to come out of his mouth was signs of his deep devotion to Christ. At Paris Valley Community Church, as we grow and as we work to grow... And reach the lost in our community there is absolutely no doubt that we cannot reach the goals without a deep devotion to Jesus through this fall sermon series we're going to be diving into the scripture and looking at the first church and we're going to see examples of how this early church and how the Bible shows us to be devoted to, to fellowship and to be devoted to prayer and to be devoted to leading, and to be devoted to, to giving and tithing, and to being obedient, and to be devoted to service, and devoted to each other. But the most important part, and the first point in your notes this morning, our main devotion must be telling other people about Jesus. The devotion that Peter had to Jesus was so strong that he had a perfect opportunity to share the gospel with so many people, and he kept the focus on the main thing. Peter cared so much about making sure that people understood exactly who Jesus was. And Peter went to work right away evangelizing. This group of people who he wasn't expecting Two hours ago, he wasn't expecting to be talking to a huge group of people. But when the time came, Peter wasn't worried about, he could have gone and started telling the story about Jesus from the very beginning. He could have told the Christmas story. He could have told about when he was 12. He got right to the point. And he told people about the saving power 
of the blood of Jesus Christ. He took the opportunity, he was bold, and he was devoted to the message of Jesus. Peter delivers this very first evangelistic message to the new church. These are, these are the words from Peter that formed the new church. And these are words from Peter that actually have formed churches since then. Peter actually ran the first Billy Graham crusade. We can call this on Pentecost Sunday. He was the leader of the first Harvest Crusade. I don't know if Chris Tomlin was playing there at that time or not. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would have come to see Chris Tomlin at the Pentecost Crusade in the year 33. Um, somebody was playing that, I'm sure. I'm sure they had guest artists. They didn't have guest artists. But it's taking everything that the church is about and boiling it down to the main thing. And the main thing for any church must be its devotion to Christ. An author by the name of Raymond Brown, he writes about the followers of King David. And he said their duty at that moment was to obey the king's instructions and to trust his wisdom. And it meant that there were going to be hardships in life, insecurity, suffering, and even possibly death. But they would be with the king and that was enough. It was devotion. It was devotion to King David. It was devotion. The disciples were devoted to Jesus and devoted to telling people about Christ. See, when Peter got up to tell people about Jesus, this is in perfect harmony with Peter's personality. He didn't think. He really didn't think. He just started talking. He didn't think about his words would possibly send him to jail, and they did. In Acts chapter 4, Peter is sent to jail, and he's sent to jail numerous times in the early part of the book of Acts. Peter didn't think that his words were going to physically have him beaten, and they did. In Acts chapter 5, as he's being led out of jail, they're like, ah, let's, we're going to beat him before we let him go. So he gets beaten. Peter didn't think that his words were going to be banned by the government, and they were. In Acts 4, Peter and John were in front of the rulers and the elders and, and the scribes and the high priests, and they decided to tell John and Peter that you can no longer speak in the name of Jesus. Peter didn't think. He didn't think that his words were actually going to get someone killed. And they did. In Acts 6, we see the disciples have so much work to do and they can't keep the widows fed well. And, and the disciples say, we're going to select some men of, among you to serve. And one of those men was a gentleman by the name of Stephen. Stephen, following the, the direction of the Lord... And serving his church, serving his congregation, and being devoted to Jesus was the first martyr of the church just a couple of chapters later. And he lost his life. Sometimes in the church we could get caught up so much in programs. Sometimes we can get caught up so much in, in events. And sometimes we can, we can make 
projects and, and time that goes into things. And there are times that we can get so far away from the main thing that we forget what we're doing it for. We must be devoted to saving the lost. Everything that we do, individually and as a church, one purpose, saving the lost. A million years from now, a thousand years from now, it's not going to matter who the President of the United States was. It's not going to matter how the stock markets did. It's not going to matter who won the Super Bowl. The only thing that will matter is who came to Jesus through the gospel, who was saved and who was not. That's what matters. In our modern society, sometimes, it, sometimes we get in a point where we say, you know what, it's just really not politically correct to talk about Jesus here. And if Peter was thinking, if he was thinking about political correctness, the Christian church would have never been formed. It, it wouldn't have got off the ground if he was thinking about, oh, I can't say this because the Jews aren't going to like it. In our modern society, sometimes it's uncomfortable to talk to co-workers and, 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 and other people in our lives about Jesus. We, we get into situations that get the best of us. And... We have trouble moving forward in our conversations and telling strangers that we're followers of the Messiah and we want to share this with them. See, doing nothing takes no devotion. Keeping quiet, keeping quiet can come naturally. Devotion is an action. It's a verb. It takes time. It takes commitment. It's easier to do nothing and to just go with the flow than it is to tell people sometimes to tell them that, hey, Jesus loves you. And sometimes it's easier to, to say nothing than it is to say, hey, Jesus died for you. And there's eternal life for those who, who trust in God and he's awaiting you and he's listening for you and he's waiting and he's there for those who believe in their heart and confess with their mouth that Jesus is the king. Our devotion to Jesus requires us to tell other people about his mercy, about his grace, about his forgiveness, to tell other people about his love. Look what Peter says in Acts chapter 2. We're starting in verse number 22. Peter says, Fellow Israelites, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man arrested or attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and kill him. God raised him up, ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by death. Verse number 29. Brothers and sisters, I can confidently speak to you about the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Verse 32. 
But God has raised this Jesus. We are all witnesses of this. Watch this. This is important. Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus to whom you crucified both Lord and Messiah. When Peter tells everyone, when he says, let all the house of Israel know, he's not simply telling them. He's telling them to do something. He says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know. He's telling them to go let everyone know. It's the same commandment that Christ gave us that we see in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, to go and tell. Ten days ago, the disciples had that instruction. You're going to wait and you're going to go. Point number two in your notes this morning. Jesus must be the focal point in our vision. He must be the focal point in our vision. When Jesus gave himself, when, when he himself gave the great commission to the apostles, he said, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He gave the instructions to the apostles. He told them what to do, when to go, where to go. In the church world, we call this vision. We call this our vision. When Peter had an opportunity to speak, he didn't spend a lot of time complaining about the fact that the Romans uh, just crucified Jesus. He didn't spend a lot of time defending people. He went out and started telling people about Jesus because he wanted to focus his attention on the message of salvation. That was the main thing. Everything that the church does has a focal point moving us forward that comes out of our devotion to Jesus. All ministries have a focal point that is there geared to bring people to Christ. We did start to see in this early church, they would start forming ministries. There's a ministry of preaching that came out of this church. That ministry was formed with a vision of being devoted to Jesus. We see a ministry of feeding widows inside the early church. That ministry was formed with the vision that is devoted to Jesus. Not only was everything that the apostles did individually devoted to Christ, but everything that they created inside the church was also devoted to Christ. That was the reason. That was the vision. Everything was done with a goal. Our church, Paris Valley Community Church, has a vision statement. And I'm going to read you our vision statement. And it's put together purposefully to keep us on track when we feel that maybe we're way off or maybe something's awry, a vision statement helps keep us focused and moving forward. This is our vision statement and it's a little long but I'm going to read it to you. It's to bring together a multi-generational, multicultural body of believers who grow in faith, reach for their community, and deepen their understanding of God's Word 
while striving to live as a church for Jesus, to be recognized as disciples by Jesus, and to be known by others because of Jesus. There's so many points in our vision that come out of this early church. Evangelism, we want to, to bring together. That's evangelizing. That's going out and talking to people, letting them know about Christ. Fellowship, that's us being together. We're going to look at that in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, of the body being together as a body and understanding that the body has many parts and people do different things in order to keep the church and to move the church running to grow that's what happens when we learn our faith is how we connect to jesus our love is what we show to others our understanding is the wisdom that we gain from being devoted to jesus and we want to be known for, we want to be known as a church. This is the, like us looking at us goal. If we're looking at us, what are we known for? We want to be known for, or as a church, for Jesus. That's our goal. That's our only goal. That's our goal is to be for Jesus. To be known by. This is Christ looking at us. If Christ was to look down at our church, what does he know us by? We want Jesus to know us as a church that's going out to tell others about him. I don't want Jesus to look down at us and say, you know what? That's the church with the pastor with skinny jeans and the fog machine. <laughs> that's the cool, super awesome church that, I mean, that's great. You guys don't have to worry. I'm never going to wear skinny jeans to church. Some can. Some, I, the community to be known because one the community when they look at Paris Valley Community Church what do I know them for I know them because of Jesus because they won't stop talking about Jesus in the eighth chapter of the book of Acts we see the death of Stephen and Saul begins his torment against the church in the in the Bible there in chapter 8 and it says they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria and it's here that the members of this very first church were sent out with a vision and with direction. Here's the ministry of missions with a goal. They have a goal to be witnesses and to go tell others. When the Apostle Paul began his three missionary journeys, he began a journey with a vision and a goal. Nothing started no ministries in the Bible were ever started without a goal, without direction, without vision, without a reason. The reason is always to tell people about Jesus. If I've said that 10 times this morning, I haven't said it enough. That's our goal as a church. That's the main thing. Sometimes people get so caught up in the drama of church and forget the main thing. Every pastor has heard stories. We hear stories like the couple who had gone to church for 20 years and for some reason they just stopped coming to church and a pastor will eventually go to their home and sit down with them and say hello and see what's, see what's wrong, see what happened. And sometimes you'll seriously hear things like... Um, you know, I was coming, but there was, 
The new visitors kept sitting in my seat. So I thought I would go somewhere else. There's sometimes that people, we read about it in Bible study a few weeks ago about a lady who was complaining about the poinsettias, the, the Christmas flowers, right? That's not the main thing. Sometimes in churches we've got issues with song selection or, or, or hymns or, or contemporary music or it's not the main thing. Sometimes we have to remember to keep the main thing the main thing. If the main devotion of our vision to the church is for Jesus, we cannot let small petty issues come between us. There's certainly ways to work through issues biblically. And there will be issues as we grow. There will be some. And we work through them biblically. But sometimes we do need a reminder that we've got to make sure our devotion to Christ is the very main thing, the very first thing. Can I come to church if... Like in January, the poinsettias aren't there and they moved to a nice yellow flower or something. I mean, those things die, right? Don't they? They don't, they don't last all year. You know, I mean, let's go to some nice lilies or something. I mean, it's, it's okay. You know, I'm, it's, it's, uh, it's church and they're flowers. That's not the main thing. It's pretty, but it's not Jesus, right? It is so important. There's... Honestly, I believe that there are rewards for churches that put Jesus first, that put Christ as the main thing, as the main reason. I want you to look with me just really quickly. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. We're in verse number 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter reply, replied, he says, Repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39. For the promise is for you and your children and all those who are far off, as many of the Lord of God will call. Verse 40. With many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted the message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. Did you see that? Did you see that? If we had 3,000 people added to our church today... We'd have, that would be like, this street would be full, that street would be full, the park over there would be full. And Peter's preaching without microphones. 3,000 people are coming. Point number three in your notes. Watch this. Devotion to Jesus leads others to be devoted to Jesus. Devotion breeds devotion. Did you see that Peter strongly urged people? He testified about Jesus. He told them about Jesus. And he didn't give up on them. He continued to show them that salvation comes through knowing Jesus. He strongly urged them and they came. Sometimes strongly urging people is more than a bumper sticker, right? 
Sometimes strongly urging people is more than, than a simple God bless at the end of a conversation. We can't strongly urge people without strongly urging people, right? It takes effort. It takes devotion. Not everyone came that day. We know that the Bible says 3,000 uh, came and became believers of Jesus Christ and brothers and sisters in the faith. So that means that there's some people who didn't come. The crowd must have been even larger than that. Some of these people undoubtedly would have become members of this new church and this new faith. And some of them undoubtedly were foreigners who had rode into Jerusalem for Pentecost for the festival of weeks on their animals with their families and they didn't go home. They were now followers of Jesus and they were coming together and they were devoted to the church. They were devoted to each other. They were devoted to breaking bread. And they became this early membership. Some people may have just been walking by. They heard a loud sound. They heard Peter. They believed in the name of Jesus. And they stayed. But none of these people, none of this 3,000, and this is just the first Billy Graham crusade. This is the first Harvest Crusade. But these 3,000 people aren't coming to Christ without deep devotion, without Peter standing up and talking, without the disciples. If the disciples would have said, okay, that's it, we're gone, I'm going to go back to tax collecting, I'm going back to fishing, but they didn't. They had devotion, they were doing their jobs, and they brought people to Jesus. Corporately as a church, we have a mission, and individually as people, we have a mission, and it's the same exact mission. Individually, we're to tell other people about Jesus, and as a church, we're to tell people about Jesus. Now, we do it together. We need to be devoted to this mission. And devoted to the main thing. And a lot of that devotion comes when we see the way that the Lord works through other people in our church. When we see the, the way that, that he has been bringing others in, when we see the testimony of our own lives and what he's done to us, what our relationship with Christ has done, we have a story that we can tell other people. Everyone here has a story that you can tell. You don't have to be seminary trained to tell somebody about Jesus. You don't have to be somebody who has been in church for 20 years to tell somebody about Jesus. You don't have to be somebody who can play an instrument to tell somebody about Jesus. All you have to be is somebody who knows Jesus to tell somebody else about Jesus. You just know who he is. Tell what you know. You give your testimony. You say, come to church. We've got... We've got a pastor, we've got ministers, we've got a loving congregation, and we want you to learn more about our Savior. That's devotion. It's our responsibility to keep focused in our lives and as a church. When we're devoted to Jesus, watch this, our last point, it's not on your notes. But when we're devoted to Jesus, our devotion can actually be seen. It means other people can see it. 
Other people know it. You know why? Because on Thursday night when they call and they say, hey, you want to come over for Bunko? You know what? I can't because it's Bible study night. You know what they just saw? Devotion. Right? When, uh, when, they, when they see that you're out maybe washing cars for a fundraiser for a church youth group so that we can, we can do something with the kids, you know what they saw? Devotion. They saw you're being devoted. You're washing a car, but you're washing a car for Jesus, right? It's devotion. Devotion can be seen. When we're doing things for Christ and we're drenched in the growth that comes with knowing Him, we can't keep it inside. It's something that other people notice. Devotion is so important to our faith. And devotion is something that is very easily lost if it's not practiced. There's a spot in your bulletin this morning down under point number three that it says this week I will be devoted to Jesus by and I'd ask you to look at this spot and to say how can I work on my devotion what part of my of my life of my walk needs attention how can I show my devotion to Christ this week now when I say this week I don't want you to say okay next Sunday I'm done with this like that's only for a week I promise you there's going to be another spot there next week because we're going to be talking about devotion for a little bit. And you can think ahead. How can I devote myself to my church? How can I devote myself to my family, to breaking bread together? How can I devote myself to God's teaching? Devotion is how we grow individually, and it's how we grow corporately as a church.